Okay, welcome to the Whatever Floats Your Boat podcast. Billy and Sierra here from Tools Endless Summer, and today we have extra special guests, Griffin and Kenzie, and we are currently aboard their boat, Lila, that they just finished completely renovating and have turned into a beautiful Airbnb. So we're in Gig Harbor, Washington right now, and yeah, Griffin, so I think the first question we have for you is just, what is you, your and Kenzie's background? Like, where are you guys from? And did you grow up working on boats or being on boats or any of that? Um, so Kenzie and I are both from the harbor. She was born in Seattle and moved down here. And then I was, I've always lived around here. And, um, you know, I personally do not have a lot of boating experience. I grew up around like a ski boat. Um, but it wasn't until I really met Ken's that we... She kind of got me into bigger boats, and um, if you would have asked me, you know, 10 years ago what I'd be doing, I never would have told you I'd own a boat. <laughs> That's awesome, though. Yeah. Um, and so I guess, well, Ken- Kenzie is turning over the Airbnb right now, which is pretty cool. We're, like, right in the middle of what you guys <laughs> yeah. are doing with this boat, which is awesome. Um, and we just did a big, long boat tour, so if you guys want to check that out, just head to Tula Tech Talk YouTube channel. Just search that or go to the show notes or whatever. Um, but can you tell us, we'll ask Kenzie when she gets here about her background and everything, but can you tell us about the boat? The boat's name is Lila and yeah. So, uh, Lila was built in, uh, I guess it started in 1967. It was commissioned for a family out of Seattle. Um, and, uh, it was completed in 1968 and it was a, a custom built boat. Uh, the hull was designed and built by a company called Thermodyne, which they're no longer in business, um, up near, uh, I want to say Marysville for those of you that know Washington. Um, and then, um, it's kind of unclear. Um, the, all the plans are from the family's manufacturing company that they owned. And so we're not sure if the family's manufacturing company actually did the construction from the hull up or not. Um, but it, I believe it was separate. And so it's, um, it's been all over the Puget Sound up into Canada and uh, lived most of its life on uh, Lake Washington up in Seattle until we bought it uh, last year. Oh, wow. So um, how long is it, did you say? Uh, it's 53 overall. 53 overall. Yeah. And so you said basically this company, you think, built the hull, and then you think they laid up the hole and everything. And then you think maybe afterwards the family's company completed everything else. Yeah. You know, all the plant and I won't tell the family name just out of privacy for them, but, um, they were a very well-known family in Seattle and all the original plans, as you can see here on the table, we're recording this, they all say the family's manufacturing company on them. So, um, we hopefully get to meet them here next week for our open house and, you know, actually ask some questions. We've been back and forth with emails, but, um, I don't believe it was manufactured all by the Thermodyne company. Okay. Yeah. And did you say before that that Thermodyne company, mm-hmm. they were making commercial fishing boats for the most that's, part? To my knowledge, that's what I believe. But even if you look online, you can't find much about them. That's what we've been told, that it was a fishing boat uh, company. And you can kind of tell by the hole in the lines of the boat. It does look like an old persainer kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why we think. And we've been told that it was made by Thermodyne. That's what it says in all the Coast Guard documents, too. So, Well, if you ever yeah. find out, like I said before, definitely write it online. You guys would have an amazing <laughs> blog with all of the stuff that you've done here. Well, let me say first how I came across, how we came across you guys was just, I don't know, it was, it was on Instagram somehow. 
and you mm-hmm. guys have been renovating this for the past year, and I've been documenting it on Instagram, and that's mm-hmm. how I started following you guys, and then we started chatting back and forth when we were getting through the area, so that's mm-hmm. how we linked up, um, which is pretty cool. Um, did I, I don't know if I just said it, is the, the fiberglass is... The hole is fully fiberglass? Correct, yeah. So the hole is, is solid fiberglass, and from punching through it, I know it's about, uh, <laughs> it's probably probably three-eighths to a half-inch thick fiberglass. Wow. Yeah. And it's pretty sturdy. And then the rest of the boat, um, from the hole up, the house portion is mostly three-quarter inch plywood encased in fiberglass on the outside. Okay. Okay. And then, so right now we are sitting um, in the boat and it is absolutely gorgeous, but tell us a little bit about what the condition was when you bought her. Yeah. So, I mean, we had been looking for um, boats um, even before that. We were looking for a place. We knew we wanted to get an Airbnb, but um, we also were both in college or I had just graduated. We didn't have any money. And so we found this boat. I was living in Pullman, Washington. Go Cougs for anyone that might be listening. Um, and Ken's was over here and her and her dad found this boat and they went and checked it out and sent me pictures and it just looked perfect for what we wanted to do. It was really dated. Um, being a late 60s boat, it was kind of funky. It had carpet throughout the entire boat, every surface, even in the, in the heads. Um, and so we knew that had to go. It also had some really funky green wallpaper from floor to ceiling all throughout the boat. And, um, you know, looking at it originally, we thought, oh man, it's going to be so easy. It's just cosmetic stuff, but it turned into quite the project. And, you know, the credit to the old owners, they maintained it meticulously. It was beautifully maintained. They had extra parts everywhere. And um, I think they just, you know, they kind of let it sit for a while. They weren't getting a lot of use out of it. And so it was some stuff that we found that we weren't expecting, like some of the rot. But structure to the world of boating. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, structurally, um, everything in the hole is just perfect. No rot anywhere. Yeah. Um. Did you buy it knowing you wanted to turn um, her into an Airbnb? Yeah, yeah. Um, we had no money as it is, and so we knew we couldn't afford to use it as a personal boat. And so, um, unlike a lot of other boats, unless you're chartering them, they're kind of just, you know, liabilities sitting there. It's kind of a money pit. Uh, boat is usually stands for bust out another thousand or another 10,000 in some cases. Just a hole in the water you throw Ex- money Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And we knew that, you know, we, we couldn't afford a personal boat. And so we had to make money some way. And her parents are really the ones that got us turned on to this. They have a couple boats here in the Harbor that are offered on Airbnb as well. And, um, we saw that it could work and we just kind of dove in and it was my full-time job for a year and three months. So how old are you guys, if I may ask? Yeah, so I am 23 and Ken's is 22. Good for I'm you guys. The, thank you. Good for you guys. <laughs> you said you don't have much background in boat or big boats at all or boat work or anything. What about carpentry or electric <laughs> or anything like that? You know, it was all kind of new to me. Um, I, you know, I've been around boats my whole life. I've, I've been on the water. Um, And most of them, they were, you know, I've had a little skiff since I was, you know, 10 years old, but uh, mostly ski boats and smaller boats. And 
Ken's and I met, we've been dating for almost seven years now. We met in high school and um, her family has always been into boating. And so they really got me into boating. They were, um, you know, ever since we've been dating, we've been going on boat trips together and um, they played a huge part in our decision to do this and our renovation and everything marine we could always count on brad ken's his dad for help with right so he really knows his stuff yeah yeah awesome okay now next question um did you have a budget for the boat and for the (laughs) renovation that you thought you were going to undertake and if you don't want to answer this question totally fine no that's fine um i think it's important for people that are thinking about this to realize we Definitely did have a budget and blew it almost instantly. <laughs> um, Just buying the boat or? Yeah, the boat itself, um, you know, Ken's and I went to college together at Washington State University and um, my passion in life is aviation. And so I worked at the airport over there for a year while I was waiting for her to finish up and kind of saved up um, the money to buy it, most of it. And Ken's and I bought it together and we had just a little bit of money left over and um we thought it was going to be cosmetic stuff like i said and then we found rot and in order to do it the way we wanted it we were just not gonna afford it and um to give people an idea this boat sat on the market for a while um i don't know what it was first listed for but it was a bunch of money and we ended up getting it for right around twenty five thousand dollars and um that was because it needed a lot of work. And, you know, I think the sellers realized that. Um, is it, did you guys, uh, like, how close in communication? Was it with the broker, first off? And- yeah, if I could do a little plug for our broker, Dale Partner out of Anacortis. He is the best boat broker in the world. He so, is awesome. And did yeah. he have the boat as a listing, or was he your... No, so Ken's parents have worked with him forever, and um, he's just kind of our go-to guy, and... Um, he, uh, can't remember if he found it or if we found it on like Yacht Trader or something, but, um, he met with us there and, um, we did go through a broker on it and he is so nice. I mean, he, I don't even know if he made commission on this, but, um, I know that they did have a broker for the boat. Okay. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. to get it down when you guys eventually bought it did yep. you guys like did you just make a low offer and yeah so it was i want to say originally it was listed for something like a hundred thousand dollars and um when by the time we found it i think they dropped it to 50 um and we just we took a shot on it um we thought we might as well and surprisingly they accepted and next thing we knew we were signing papers and owned a boat (laughs) and i think that's super important for anybody listening to know like Mm -hmm. if you see a boat go out on a whim and offer that we've heard from so many people like we had no idea if they were going to accept it we didn't we didn't even know if we were going to offend them but we just wanted to offer and see and now you have this boat i mean Mm -hmm. especially project boats and especially a big project boat like this like Mm -hmm. it's it's more money than your average person with like an average life I think would want to spend to get into so like that kind of filters them out probably Mm -hmm. and it's if they're not thinking about it as a business but these guys knew right yeah Mm -hmm. yeah like you got yeah you were going into it with this in mind and and but it's it's like you came you got it for a price that would work for you yeah exactly and you know even that I mean that was 
almost all the money we had. And so it was really daunting taking on this project. Um, and uh, we ended up, you know, very luckily being able to take a loan from my parents and uh, her parents at one point too. And um, if we didn't have that, we would probably have this on hold and, you know, it'd take at least twice as long to get it done. And it'd just be sitting in the meantime. Exactly. Or, yeah. yeah. And so we were very fortunate in that sense to be able to do that. And it's just kind of a huge relief knowing that it's actually renting now and we're going to be able to pay them back. That's great. <laughs> yeah. so, so that basically, I mean, you had your initial budget, but you found the right boat, but it kind of ate all that up. And then it, once you got the loans, it kind of reset another budget. For you. Yeah. And, you know, in my mind, I had, you know, I don't have a huge background in carpentry at all. I think when I was, you know, maybe eight to 10 years old, my parents remodeled their house and I didn't, you know, I wasn't old enough to really know anything. And so I would help my dad out on the weekends and stuff. And I like to say I learned a lot from that, even though I wasn't really doing the remodeling myself. Um, but then, you know, as you guys probably know, YouTube videos every day. And then just honestly, the biggest thing is just tackling the project and just, just starting. Yeah, it. just starting it. And <laughs> You know, you figure out so much as you go. Yeah. People ask us all the time, like, uh, advice on how to get into living on a boat and traveling on a trawler or, or catamaran, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of reluctant to give them, to advice. to advise them to do it the same way that we did. Yeah. But for us, I'm so glad that we did. Because like you said, like, buying these older boats mm -hmm. and we have the, uh, we have some skills. Like, same, I, my background was similar. Like, I mm -hmm. just kind of worked on boats here and there. Like, you know, boats my dad had in the backyard. And yeah. I took some tech classes in high school, stuff like that. And then you just figure it out along the way. And because you bought an older project boat, like, you don't feel too bad about ripping up the back yeah, deck. Exactly. Like, it can't get any worse than that. Exactly. But also, in the future, if something goes wrong, you've already probably ripped that part out and know what leads to what, and it's probably right. going to make your life so, easier in the future. So it's yeah. kind of like risk-reward. Like, there's almost no risk in, in it, it, like, with working on an old boat in each individual project, there's almost no risk, but then the reward is, that, you know... You, you learn a ton, and then you also get the project done. Exactly. Yeah. Sorry. You can just let that one yeah. go anyway. This thing times out. When it's on 4K, it times out every four or five minutes. Oh. But it shouldn't do that on 1080, so I don't know why it's timing out. But whatever. That, that was just backup anyway. Yeah. And, you know, to go off what you were saying, it's like this back cockpit area on our boat when we found the rot back there it was almost exactly a year ago today it was october the weather was turning and i it, the back deck was squishy and like instant depression yeah exactly <laughs> and then it was like okay it's just this little section i started i took out the circular saw and just cut oh. into it and then I found out that it went all throughout the back deck like all the all the framing members in there needed to be replaced and so we um had this whole uh, whole back area of our boat tarped off in october and it probably sat that way for two months while i did the repair and it got down to freezing and i was worried how am i gonna you know lay fiberglass with the with the resin and in freezing temperatures and 
we had heaters back there and that was probably our low point of the boat where I just wondered what did I get myself into oh, well yeah. at least imagine if that was in the prime time of summer and everybody else was out enjoying their <laughs> boats and you were yeah. sitting there covered in fiberglass at least it was during a time where you didn't want to be outside anyway exactly so. <laughs> but, but you went like between the tarp and the heaters and stuff you were able to finish that project that yeah time. we were probably able to keep it a consistent 60 degrees in there um which was tough i mean it it was really tough with the wind keeping the tarp in place and then you know after we took the tarp off we had you know gorilla glue tape marks all over the side of our boat yeah but it you know like i said earlier you just got to get in and tackle it because i had no idea how easy it was to work with epoxy and fiberglass it was always this daunting thing and i think boatyards really prey on that because they realize you know people don't want to work with epoxy or fiberglass and so they charge an arm and a leg for repairs but it's really not that bad um was that all were you doing all that in the water with it when the boat yeah. was in the water yeah. okay yeah there's no way we could afford to have it on the <laughs> on the dry do- yeah. yeah that's the that's the other thing that really eats people's budgets yeah just having it in the yard so like when yeah. i know when we go into the yard we just have a plan and we usually have an end date like it's like a month or Mm -hmm. for that'd be a long time frame of us being in the yard Mm -hmm. but yeah and then it get everything done in our priority order and by the time that month is over we're going in the water no matter what we'll finish it in the water because that the yard fees will just eat you up yeah yeah and finding a a do-it-yourself yard is pretty tricky too um yeah and a lot of them are up in seattle and that's you know a two-hour drive at, at 10 knots for us so okay yeah it's and you know we have a little yard here in the harbor but we were too wide it has an 18 and a half foot beam on it so they couldn't pull us here okay so it is a bummer to get it pulled out you got to travel for it but um before you go any further here i want to yeah. ask about i just want tell me about the engines on this boat because we went over the boat a little bit but yeah yeah i am by no means a mechanic but you know they're old caterpillar engines are d333 b's um from what i can tell um it was you know the the predecessor to like the 3306s and i know there's going to be a mechanic listening that's just going to call me on it we get it all the time (laughs) there's some there's some mechanics but there's plenty of armchair mechanics yeah (laughs) yeah but um you know they're bulletproof they're absolutely bulletproof when we got it um you know, the thing sat for a while and I don't think that it had, um, you know, the proper coolant in it. I think they might've just been using, uh, water for a while cause it was the whole cooling system was completely rusted. Oh. And so we ended up taking off the heat exchanger and the coolant reservoir and having it chemically treated. Um, cause it just, it was so corroded that the rust was blocking, um, flow from the coolant mm-hmm. and that was only on the port engine. Luckily. And so once we did that, you know, it held 175 degrees all day long. So oh, it, wow. it ended up working out great. Um, what horsepower are they? I want to say they're 190 a piece. And turbocharged. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And which brings me to the next point. Now that they're holding a constant temperature, we're having turbo issues on our port engine. But um, that's just going to be a project that we save for a later date because we hardly ever take it out. It sits on the dock for most of the time here. Uh-huh. Yeah. So do you have plans to possibly like own, like cruise on it and not do Airbnb with yeah, it? Yeah, Ken's and I would love to, t- I mean, some of our, our favorite 
spots are up in the San Juans. You know, I'm wearing my Roche Harbor hat right now. Um, that's probably our favorite place in the Pacific Northwest. Um, and so we would love to take it up there, but right now it's kind of set up as a floating condo and we need to, um, you know, figure out how to run this boat off of 50 amps. Um, right now we have two 50 amp hookups. Uh, one runs a 240 panel for our range and our water heater. Um, and the other runs our 120 panel and there's hardly any DC electric on the boat besides the marine heads. So we, we need to put an inverter in it and um, figure out how to draw down our amp load so we can actually, um, you know, pull into a marina somewhere. I don't think if ever, well, it, it would, it'll be a long time if we ever want to go on the hook with this boat, um, but we could definitely go to a marina. We could do that now if we wanted to, it'd just be difficult. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's interesting because yeah, like you, you set this boat up knowing you were going to do Airbnb with it, knowing that it was going to be at a dock, that you were going to have at least 50 amps, but you got two 50 amps yeah. cables into it. Um, yeah, so that's that must have been... Uh, you you must have had to keep reminding yourself like through, uh, through the whole build that mm -hmm. you know this is a priority, not this. Exactly, and that was a huge part of it. I mean, we would have our... our talks about you know what are we going to do next what is the most important a lot of it dealt with weather and um what we need to do to waterproof everything but then the also like little stuff like is this little project really going to affect how many renters we bring in or wow. our reviews from our renters and a lot of it we realize now that it's over that a lot of the little things don't really matter at all uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Wow. Like what kind of little things, for example? Oh, just fixtures. And like we were talking about the wallpaper up in the pilot house, how we decided not to wallpaper it and just paint it. Um, uh, there's little things with the trim on this boat that I'll notice for the rest of my life. But, but I don't nobody else Yeah, will. exactly. <laughs> so how do you, like, how did you draw that line and, and come to the realization that like some of that stuff, just because you see the way it came out and it's fine? Yeah. And, um, most of it was um, after we finished, we kind of realized it. Um, it's really, it was really hard for me to look past, you know, details. Um, I'm, I wanted to be really detail oriented with this boat. And I originally wanted to make it as much of a boat as we could, because I want to cruise it um, for at least a week or two a year. But um, when it came down to it, you know, we have no money and we had to get renters in here. So. Um, in terms of details, like, so you wanted to be very detail oriented, but yeah, but there must be a point, what am I trying to ask? Like, where do you draw that line? Like just, you just got to find the balance on each thing or? Exactly. I mean, it was, you know, we would have conversations and even arguments about some stuff. And, um, I think at the end of the day, you know, um, talking it out and getting two perspectives on it, you can kind of meet in the middle. Um, Ken's and I, um, we did this whole boat ourselves, besides the countertops. We had someone do the countertops. <laughs> but um, drawing a line is hard when you have two opinions. But, um, Be, it, yeah, go ahead. Because I was going to say, because if I could see that if you just don't, if, if you get too lax, I'm paying attention to detail. Like, mm -hmm. we're sitting in this loon area right now, and it is just beautiful like it seems like everything is very thought out and 
you, you were detail oriented with everything, like just from us coming on the boat. But like, I could see if you get too lax with that, it could just kind of be like, ah, eh, like. Yeah. Well. Okay. So going back to where you draw the line is a lot of it is getting outside opinions too. Um, like you said, you know, or like I said, I I notice you know about twenty different things in this room that I'm you know. That yeah, that I could have done differently, but getting an outside opinion from someone that walks in and like, for example, there's some wallpaper in our forward head that aren't, they aren't exactly the same wallpaper. They're similar chart wallpapers, but one's a little bolder than the other. And it goes on either side of a closet. And that was something that I specifically remember having a conversation with Ken's about that I did not want to do it. But she was like, do we really want to spend a hundred bucks on a new roll of wallpaper? <laughs> and she's laughing in the Would background now. Anybody and, else notice? And, you know, I even have a hard time noticing it now. Too. Oh, wow. So, it, yeah. Outside opinions were huge, having friends and family walk through and tell us. But, yeah, it, it, if I had all the money in the world, one, I wouldn't have done it myself. <laughs> and two, I, I would have made it absolutely perfect. But. It's good to hear other people enjoy it. And... Well, she looks pretty dang perfect to me. <laughs> Thank you. So when when we've always done fixed up our boats, like mm -hmm. we've done we've done a bunch of little boats. I did a houseboat oh, in cool. college, but it was like it was total bachelor pad, like nothing yeah. like this. It was like a couch <laughs> thrown in there and stuff like that. And, but then especially with um, Tula, my first little sailboat, and then our trawler, and then uh, our catamaran, mm -hmm. it was always and like. And our camper, too. Like, a lot of it was um, because we knew in our heads, like, it wasn't going to be an Airbnb boat. It was mm -hmm. going to be, we want to go out sailing. So, we or wanted cruising. We want to be nice enough for us, practical to use, but not take us forever so we can go. Yeah, so that was kind of how we drew the line. It was always, like, the priority was more the make it strong and solid and the systems, and then the finish was always secondary to us. So our boats never looked like a Bristol finish yeah. at all. Like. But no matter what that line is always, it's never a straight line. Okay, maybe go with this. If you do this project that we think is important, it's going to start to the next project. And if you go with that project, then you find something else that you're like, oh, now that seems super important. So the line is not straight. It is very crooked. <laughs> we, we were on, our friend Andy Shell has a sailing podcast called 59 Degrees North. And he had us on and we were talking about the same exact thing. Uh -huh. And he, we told him what we just said. And he's like, oh, he's like, we have a saying for that. I don't know where he got it from. He's like, but you say, uh, it'll fish. Like yeah. the boat will go, it, it can go fishing. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then what's the other saying? Go small, go now or something Yeah, like, like Lynn and Larry Party are famous uh uh, cruising sailors, and yeah, they always say like, uh, "Go, go, go small, go now." I thought. Yeah, it was something else. Like, We're go, butchering it. <laughs> go small, go yeah, it was something like that. But anyway, but it's so interesting to get your guys' perspective, like we said, because you knew you were going to Airbnb, you knew you were going to have guests, you want them to have a great experience, so like you do have to pay attention to that stuff more than like maybe like your engines right now are secondary yeah. fixing that turbo that's down mm -hmm. the line. Which to someone else would be a huge like different priority. Yeah, yeah, it would be huge. And, you know, going back to you were talking about your bachelor pad houseboat that you made. I mean, I, I don't have much experience, but in college I was in a fraternity and I was in my junior year. I was ready to move out and it was a semester and there was nothing really open and my buddies that lived right across the street had a closet in the basement that was ready for me. And it was literally a concrete floor with with 
plywood and so i you know i put some carpet in there and fixed it up the, a little bit my brother did the same thing yeah he, he lived in someone's attic yeah, yeah. He, he had a, it was him it, all his roommates were girls and he took the attic of their house and yeah. he transformed it that is it, awesome yeah, yeah and like it was you know this boat is completely different there was no finish work in my closet room i mean it was literally just making it livable and this was just completely different yeah you know? yeah that's cool um, before we get to more of the Airbnb kind of business side of it, because we're super interested in that, um, one more question. Did you take into account when you were renovating it that mm -hmm. the people renting it were not boat people? Yes, that was a huge thing for us. And um, luckily, Kenza's parents, um, they've been going for just over a year now. And so we kind of got to see um, how things worked with them, with their guests. And like I was telling you guys earlier, one of the biggest things is uh, marine toilets, marine heads. <laughs> Same with camper heads. So that was our first thing we knew we were going to do based off of experience was get, you know, top of the line marine heads. And so far we've retrofitted all the other boats with the same ones. And I think we've only had like one problem and it wasn't even really a problem. It was able to clear itself but <laughs> so tell, tell us why so um the difference with marine heads and residential heads is it's the plumbing is completely different on a boat you don't have gravity to you know go into your septic or your sewer um you go into a holding tank and um a lot of the like the older systems are a vacuum flush system it's basically a big vacuum chamber that you have and that's what this boat had um so when you you know push the flush lever on your toilet on the boat it sucks everything and it puts it into the tank these toilets are by Dometic they're master flush and they have a, a built-in what they call macerator and um, you know without getting gross for everyone it just kind of chops everything up and shoots it out and these toilets they're master flush 8700 series they will uh, I want to say don't quote me on this but they will pump uh, fluid 30 feet straight vertical oh. or 200 feet horizontal whoa yeah wow so they're very powerful and the macerators in them are nearly indestructible wow yeah did they, so what's the electric on them straight up those are uh dc so, they are yeah 24 so, volt yeah correct and well the most common ones are 12 volt our vote our boat we uh transformed to 24 volts from 32 and so these are the 24 volt models. Okay, so you made sure you got 24 yeah, volt models. Yeah, exactly. And then how do you? Because you said like most of your boat is AC power. Correct. Do you have a like a step down or inverter uh, for that? Nope, there is no inverter on board. Literally, what we we have a DC panel, okay. um, which I mean, right now it only really runs the toilets, and we have a, I guess you could call it a house and a starting bank. It's just two 12 volt batteries in series to make 24 volts and oh. we have a um oh what's the brand it's uh we have a, a pretty decent charger that we put in it auto conditions every 30 days and oh, okay. it's it that was a big thing for us because we had battery issues before and just regular lead acid or yep. gel yep yeah. yep they're just, just flooded yep so you have a charger hooked up 24 7 so Correct. it doesn't really matter you'll yeah. get a big bank or anything yeah and you know one of the things I, I love about it is it auto conditions them so you know i'm not a big electrical guy but it'll you know it'll charge it so it's yeah i'm not even going to get into that <laughs> but all i know is it it does help out a lot 
Oh, for what preserve the life of the yeah exactly they can i guess they they can build up uh i don't know sediment on the cells or something and it basically charges it to to get rid of that it charges it more than it should and it uh yeah i'm, <laughs> I'm not gonna go into the electrical <laughs> okay. but it's a nice charge yeah, yeah. <laughs> um more on the heads like mo like all the boats we've been on, like we were just on a charter in the San Juans mm-hmm. for a week, and there they were like, "Look, their rules, their no, rules, no toilet paper, no nothing oh, yeah. except what comes out of you." Yeah, <laughs> but they even said, "Don't let if don't have cherries on board because the kids eat the cherries and the pits, and the pits will yeah. harm the macerator blades." In case you yeah. all wanted all that information, <laughs> you know, most boats that I've been on say the exact same thing, and we actually on all the boats here in this boat we have instructions right above the toilet. And, you know, we have Airbnb guests that some of them, it's their first time being on a boat. So if we were to say, you know, no toilet paper, you know, They'd people aren't. Shock, yeah. Kind of. So, and, you know, to be completely honest, toilet paper is not going to harm these toilets. They are really powerful. And we do say multiple flushes is always better than clogging the toilet. Mm-hmm. So um, we have a big holding tank. We just say, you know, flush as many times as you have to, but do your best to you know, go easy on the toilet paper mm-hmm. and no feminine products, obviously. And, you know, nothing foreign, just toilet paper is right. what we say. Yeah. Okay. That's a good compromise. You went, yeah, heavy duty with the toilets. You say, use it sparingly, but yeah, you can't, yeah. it'd be hard to tell. Normally. Like I yeah. can just imagine telling your family, you yeah. stay on board. Like, <laughs> Put the toilet paper in the trash. <laughs> like they wouldn't, they would think that's like foreign. But yeah. um, anything else besides the heads that you were like, okay, this definitely needs to be tweaked for a non-boat person? Um, you know, appliances were one thing too. Um, we wanted to make sure people were comfortable. And that goes into why we have 100 amps because I, like I said, I'm not the electrician. So um, we put a brand new range uh into our, it's a range oven, yeah, combo, and we have a, a residential water heater, and um, we wanted a bunch of hot water because there's nothing worse than running out of hot water in the middle of a shower, um, and we wanted people to have a range that looked familiar to them so they could cook on board, um, and we ended up, we could technically run the boat off of 50 amps, um, but we also have um residential cadet heaters in the in the boat they're only 500 watts but still when you have all of them on uh if you were to turn the range on in the hot water heater it it could probably it it would trip it and we know that from Mm -hmm. experience and oh that's good so you just overkill on the electric coming in and then Mm -hmm. you know you're Instead of having to try to teach people to manage, oh, just turn these heaters on and not this one. and Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the other thing that we wanted to, I mean, the other marine thing that we wanted to do, when we first bought this boat, it had a um, uh, isolation transformer in it. And um, it now, <laughs> actually, Ken's and I, when we spent one of the first nights on it before guests, we were running some things and we sat down to watch TV back here and we smelt the burnt plastic smell. And that was kind of an oh no moment. And it turns out that uh, the isolation transformer had some loose fittings and the previous owner had a ground that wasn't really connected that well. And so it was creating a lot of heat and it actually melted some of the plastic fittings on there. And, you know, it was smoking. So we could have just burnt the boat down with that so that was like 
think that was last week on Monday, you know, me and Ken's uncle, uh, he's, you know, jack of all trades, great electrician. Um, he helped me just completely rewire the whole boat. Oh, so, really? Yeah. Well, rewire the, the electrical coming into the boat to the panel. Okay. Um, the rest of it, um, the family that owned the boat had an electrical company. One of them, yeah, they really knew what they were doing with this boat, and everything is wired just perfectly. Uh-huh. But, yeah, we uh, the new marine thing that we have is a, a galvanic isolator. Um, and there's a lot of stray current going to the grounds on the boat that can get into the water. So it can be dangerous for swimmers. And we have people kayaking on the dock here and, you know, we didn't want someone to fall in and get electrocuted. So that, um, that galvanic isolator, basically, you know, you tie the, your grounds into it and it, it keeps your uh, electrical current from going into the water around the dock. Um, what was the part you said? the melted plastic it was a uh isolation transformer which does to my knowledge does a similar thing and like the mechanics the electricians that are listening are going to correct me on this but, yeah um, I, I don't know what yeah much of this. i believe it did a similar thing but it also prevented against like power surges and oh, stuff okay. so the, what it did it came from the 50 amp pylon on the dock into that isolation transformer and then it went to the panel oh, okay and so now we do that we come into the galvanic isolator and then it goes to the panel and then it goes back to the isolator then yeah and so that uh well i guess no i kind of screwed that up but we run it through that galvanic isolator so it it we don't have any current going into the water okay yeah got now does that do you do still have like your through holes and things grounded though like, yes through the system yeah okay just making sure we get still good testing testing yeah we're good huh. <laughs> um all right cool okay so next um is stuff that we are yeah go ahead next is stuff we and probably many other people are super interested in is kind of the business figuring out the whole airbnb aspect of it because we've considered it so many times with all of our other boats instead of mm -hmm. selling it why don't we just keep it and rent it out mm -hmm. but there's tons of stuff that goes into figuring out how to turn it into a business and legally and all this stuff so first is a marina you guys are a little bit different but mm -hmm. and i guess we can this can kind of be about Mackenzie's parents too like yeah. was it hard to find a marina where you could keep and rent out a boat that is going to be your number one barrier to entry as uh uh, Airbnb investor for marine or anything, you know, on the water. Um, a lot of marinas, I, I think there are a few around here, but a lot of marinas are not going to let you rent out your boat. Um, so it does help to own the dock. Um, so Kenzie's parents own this this marina correct small, yeah. we're at a small private little marina what it's got super about super awesome location 300 feet of dock space on it um and it's one of uh the historic net sheds in gig harbor uh, there's so cool yeah, we walked through that when we came down to the boat yeah yeah there's 17 historic net sheds in the harbor and what a net shed is is gig harbor is a historic fishing town and so the fishermen would bring their nets in and hoist them up into the net shed and clean and dry them um, and so there's 17 of them in the harbor, and this one is number 15 out of 17. And so, the, yeah, there's about 300 feet of dock space here, and um, they're all, um, you, you know, most of them are rented through Airbnb here. And they didn't start that way. They, you know, started on land with Airbnb, but um, there was someone doing it 
in the harbor and we just thought you know we could do it better and we decided to jump into it um so what, what advice would you give to people just kind of just search for a marine like if they wanted to do this with a boat just search for the marinas that might allow that? exactly yeah ask questions um i know i i'm pretty sure there are some around here that would let you do it because i know of there's one in the harbor here that has two boats rented on it as well. I'm not sure the marina could own those boats, but um, you're going to find somewhere. Um, I I would just look, and then um, it gets tricky with access to guests because they probably don't want you giving out their code to the to the marina. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it's impossible. There's options. You just got to find Yeah. Them. There's a marina where we spend some time in Florida that does it, but mm -hmm. it's, it's the marina It's owners. the marina's oh, own. Yeah, gotcha. Own but there's these couple little houseboats that they have that they do it. But yeah, they went, I asked them to, they're like, now nah, they wouldn't let other people do it. But yeah. They did. But, <laughs> but I, you could always ask if you could partner up with them and exactly. be under their business. Like if you thought they were doing a good job and you could somehow make that work. But Maybe, so yeah. don't you had a cross good relationship with them. Yeah, so yeah. don't cross everything off. There's still options out there. You know, and you could look at it from, you know, a management standpoint. Maybe they would want to manage it um, if you wanted to buy the boat. Um, Ken's and I did some Airbnb management before this boat, and. Um, you know, I'm, I bet there's someone out there that who has a marina or at least residential dock space, maybe, um, who would let you do it. But yeah, I, I, you just got to get creative with it. Yeah. Okay. And next is <laughs> insurance is hard to find no matter who you are, but especially if you're on a boat and renting to non-boat people who don't have experience. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey of finding insurance yes. and your policy and all that kind of stuff? Insurance was very tough to get, <laughs> um, especially for a short-term rental. Um, I called probably five or six companies and basically got turned down to all of them um, just because I'm guessing because of my age and my experience, um, you know, even though I'd been around boats my whole life, nothing this big. Um, I think a lot of them said, you know, if you're going to own this boat, you have to have a, a captain's name on file oh, for wow. who's going to drive the boat. And then as soon as you mentioned short-term rental, they, they scare away and you can't, not mention short-term rental because you something need to be covered happens. if something happens yeah does airbnb require any sort of insurance that is a great question for ken's i i'm almost 99 percent sure they do yeah they've got to um ken's is like the airbnb master she, um she's been doing it longer than i have um i know that they have their own uh I want to say insurance, but they, they really help their hosts out in coverage. Like, Here's oh, Kenzie right now. Yeah. <laughs> we have a question for you. Mm -hmm. It's called the Host Guarantee yes. Program. Okay. And so Airbnb will insure up to, what is it, $10,000? I want to say it was more than that. Maybe $100,000. Yeah. Um, but they, they guarantee it. So you can like set a security deposit so that when people check in, they're like aware that if there's any damages, you can get up to that like... I think it's like a benchmark of like 1500 right? A thousand, I think. Yeah. Said, yeah. Yeah. And then does Airbnb require you guys to have insurance? No. Yeah. They have their own program that they attach to every single listing. Okay. Which is that like host guarantee and I don't, program. I don't even okay. think they ask about insurance on residential homes either. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that's basically that is for damages on... Correct, okay. yeah. 
What about liability? Like, is yeah, that just that's like, your own insurance. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And so when you're looking for insurance, you were looking, were you looking for both like liability and also comprehensive for the boat? Correct. Okay. Yeah. And we ended up, you know, we had to get creative with this too. And with, uh, Brad and Michelle, Ken's parents, they were able to get fleet insurance for their boats. And we just kind of added on to that. We needed a survey and, um, we we're actually, yeah, we just got it. So we just got Lila covered. Okay. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Did they like the survey put a value on it and everything like that? Yes. We had it surveyed first when it was partially done. Um, things were still kind of torn apart. Um, but we needed to give them a survey that basically said it, it floats, it's not mm. going to sink. And so we did got, we got a survey back. And the other thing that was hard was the comparables for this. There's not many out there cause the boat's so unique. And so it was kind of up to the discretion of the surveyor of what he valued it at. And, um, the hardest thing was all the man hours put into this boat. You can't, you know, you it's, can't price yeah. <laughs> and so like if you, we probably have close to 2000 hours into this boat, um, more than that probably. But, um, you know, if you were to bring it to a yard, it'd be between 80 and hundred bucks an hour at 2000 hours, but you can't really value that. So it was kind of up to his discretion. I think the first value we got back was like 85,000. And then our goal is for it to be higher than that. So he just came back now that it's done. Okay. So we'll see where it comes back. He did. Okay, yeah. nice. Well, right. We're rooting for you. Thank definitely you. Definitely deserves it. Yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of uh, insurance, go ahead. Um, okay, so the next thing is, okay, we see, and Kenzie isn't fully in this interview right now because she's currently, like, cleaning and turning over the boat for the next customers. Who else, like, or is it you guys that deals with the waste, the water, the power, and all of that stuff to make sure that it's ready for the customers? Um, the uh, power is all through uh, Brad and Michelle. They have, you know, the, the net shed itself has uh, a electrical service uh, just like any other home. Um, the waste, we have a great guy in the harbor. Actually, he's all around South Puget Sound and he comes around and pumps the boats out weekly. Okay from the holding tanks. Do you have to be there when he pumps it out? Nope. Okay. Nope. He just comes, does his thing and he's in and out in a couple minutes. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And then you said, what about water? Fresh water? Uh, water is just city water. We have a city water hookup and the water around here is fantastic. You can drink right out of the tap on the boat. And yeah. when you're um, turning over to the boat, do you also fill up the water tanks or is that not every time? Or? Nope. So on all the boats here, we plumb them. <laughs> For this boat, I completely replumbed it. Uh, it was all uh, copper pipe and I did, I replaced everything with PEX, um, and we just have a city water hookup now. Oh, so and it's it's like our camper, yeah. like the hose is just uh, hooked into the boat. Yep. Okay. And then um, we have <laughs> the water pressure down on the dock here is close to 200 psi. Oh wow! So we did have to put a pressure regulator in all the boats to bring it down to around 40. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, other than that, this boat actually holds 390 gallons Jeez. of fresh water. <laughs> but um, I did tie in to, or I have a, a spot in our new plumbing where I could tie in a new pump if I wanted to. But for now, for the purpose that it's serving, we're just going to keep it connected to city water. Oh, um, where does What about the gray water? Does that go overboard? Or Gray water does. It goes in. The only gray water we have 
Well, gray water from the sink goes through through holes, and we keep you know biodegradable soap on board. And um, the um, shower is the only gray water tank. There's two drains in the forward head, one's for the shower and one's for the actual bathroom itself. And they head into a gray water tank, and then we have a sump pump in that tank that pumps it out. Okay, cool. And it's an automatic uh, float bilge pump. Gotcha. Yeah. Awesome. More on the cleaning aspect. Um, yeah. Where we are, the bottom gets crazy, crazy growth within Down a very short amount of time. Mm -hmm. Do you have to deal with that? Do you get growth? Do you do you have someone clean it? We do. So we um it, we just got it bottom painted. Uh, this boat spent most of its life on fresh water. Um, and the great thing about that is when you go out to cruise it, um, they would take it through the locks in Seattle. Which if you guys ever get to check that out, that is awesome. Um, they would go cruise and you know if you're out for a couple weeks when they bring it into the freshwater all the saltwater growth dies once it meets the freshwater oh, wow. but now that it's on saltwater we do have to deal with the growth so we got it bottom painted um we keep zincs for corrosion on and then there's a dive service that'll come out every six months and scrape the bottom and put okay. new zincs on and have you so you've been working on this boat for a year mm -hmm. um is six months enough time where they get it before it gets too bad or? Yeah. So that was a learning process when we got it hauled out. Uh, we got zincs as soon as we bought the boat, knowing that it was, you know, it, the boat's been sitting for a while and it probably needed it. And then we got it hauled out about nine months later and our zincs were gone. Oh, and wow. we thought, oh my God, did they fall off? But then we called the dive service that did them and said, oh no, you know, the the growth around, or the, we thought, we also thought that we had, you know, an electrical current that was eating them away. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, but um, it turns out, you know, there's no current in the water. It's just six months is the sweet spot. That's oh. where you got to do it around here. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. And then what about for the bottom, like the, the growth on the bottom? Not that? really that bad. Um, it's only been four months, maybe, since we got it bottom painted. Um, and we haven't really had any issues with growth. But there are, the divers have, you know, fully waterproof cases for their tools that they bring and they, they'll brush the bottom. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah, because in, so in Florida, it's like if you don't dive it at least once a month, like. Seriously? It's, yeah. Oh my God. But, but again, it's just because the water is so warm and yeah. there's so many nutrients in it. And that was for our boat after like a solid good time of having it been painted on the bottom. Well, no, everyone who, if you're keeping, like, we're cruising, yeah. which is if a little If the boat's bit, sedentary, it's good to do it. Like, like most <laughs> people who, like, have a big boat at a dock, they have a dive service that comes, and it's once a month as a schedule. And that's what Jeez. we've been paying for for the that past. That is yeah. insane. Yeah. yeah. But, it, but at least it's, like, a quick clean for them. Like, I don't yeah. know. I don't know if, if they you go, scrape it or brush it, but it's quick. I would say if you go longer than three months, it's a long uh, process, because uh -huh. you get the hard barnacles, yeah. and it takes a long time to get them off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, luckily, you know, with the bottom paint, at least around here, the hard growth isn't bad. It's just mostly soft growth. All right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I want to ask you, uh, as you guys redid this boat, like, and we've done this as well, like using kind of household materials, stuff mm -hmm. from Home Depot, like you can, a lot of that will work on a boat, but sometimes if you go too far in that direction, like that stuff won't hold up on the water yeah and and you guys here like out like we've said everything looks absolutely beautiful and functions and you even have some really nice decorative stuff in here so like how have you've obviously used some stuff like household stuff how mm -hmm. have you how do you think that stuff will hold up how have you uh found that balance you know it's um 
knock on wood, but ever since we started this, we haven't noticed much corrosion at all. Like I said, we have a residential water heater. Um, uh, you know, uh, there's beadboard throughout the boat, a lot of wood product, uh, uh, pergo product, flooring, and um, every forum I read online said never put pergo in a boat. But I figured, you know what? You did it Screw it. I'm going to do it. And it's held up great. Fantastic. Um, Knock on wood for Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, but, you know, um, the other thing is there's a lot of good airflow in here. Uh, some boats can get muggy and, you know, uh, you need a lot of ventilation. This boat seems to vent itself very well, and I think that's really key in keeping moisture out since mm. you're so close to the water. And then, like you guys know, living in Florida, salt air will yeah. just kill things. Mm -hmm. And so it's um, – so far, we're – lucking out i'm sure we'll figure some stuff out along the way so things i'm looking at like right now are like your beautiful gold like sink faucet and then in the uh -huh. bathroom like your shower head like all of that i am assuming is residential yeah um did you look for certain quality or standard <laughs> when you bought it absolutely or... not okay, no, that's good <laughs> what, to know because it? i love it's, it and... it's a brass or it is um at least I think it's an Amazon. Everything is Amazon. Oh, and wow. For all I know, it could just be aluminum that's, you know, painted to, to look brass. But I, um, it looks I know very that, high quality. Yeah. That one is the kitchen one is, um, but then, you know, Ken's and I, we bought all these fixtures, you know, a long time ago, we got way ahead of ourselves. And so like when it was coming time to finish everything up, I was doing plumbing and, there's like this one um, backing nut on the faucet that tightens it to the countertop. And it was driving me crazy. I couldn't find it anywhere. It's been long gone. And that's like and, a very specific size. Yeah, right? and it's like a proprietary Chinese faucet. And so I couldn't find any nut that would fit it. And it turns out it was just screwed all the way up into uh, the fixture. Oh, so we no. had it the whole time. But <laughs> I had to special order stuff off Amazon. And so my suggestion if anyone's doing you know plumbing is just you know spend the few extra bucks and get something at home depot or lowe's okay unless you know unless you're looking for a certain fixture like we were like something brass but name brands are always good because they're going to be standard uh -huh. these were just cheap stuff that we found and if you were if you weren't doing airbnb and you were just kind of cruising this boat around the san juans mm -hmm. do you think you would have gone that direction or um no, uh, I couldn't afford to do anything else. Um, if, but if say I could, or we could, and we wanted to, we would have gone a different route. We would have an inverter and we wouldn't have, you know, six cadet heaters in here and, a, a new range, 5,400 watt range. So, um, in terms of the range, did you ever think about doing gas? We, not really since it, it never had gas okay. on it to begin, um, this boat right across from us here and the other blue hold boat are both liquid propane. Oh. Um, and that, you know, it's great to cook with gas and gas is really efficient, but um, it just, that was a whole other skill set that I didn't want to take. Right, right. Yeah. Especially because the boat didn't have it originally. Yeah. Okay. And, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no you're good. good. No. Yeah. With, um, yeah. And with renters in here, that was just one more thing to worry about with yeah. carbon monoxide. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you've got to restart. Sorry. I think we're out of battery. It's okay. Um, should I 
Yeah, go for it, yeah. Okay, so the only question I have left, Billy might have some more, but do you ever let guests move the boat? Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> One, the insurance doesn't allow it, and two, I mean, you never know who's going to rent your boat. We've had people ask all the time that say they on Airbnb that say they have boating experience and wondered if they could take it out. For you people out there, if you're ever considering us, don't trust those people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and like, you know, we probably wouldn't even if they were you know, like a captain because I mean, this boat's it's in a really tight spot. We maximized all the dock space here, and you know, it doesn't have a bow thruster. And it'd just be really hard to maneuver. Um, but yeah, insurance won't even let us anyway. So. Yeah, and I like we. Uh, I know the answer to that, but I thought it might be interesting to someone else who could be considering this that mm -hmm. isn't super into boating, something definitely to not let happen. Yeah. <laughs> One thing we've thought about, too, is, I mean, none of us have our captain's license, but we thought about, you know, maybe finding a captain to partner with and some of these boats are like Airbnb it, experience exactly and you know a guest that comes and says hey can we do like a dinner cruise or something which um we have had them ask before but you need a captain's license and um that's we're so busy already it's just something we can't do but these other boats are set up to cruise i mean they're not like this boat they're actual boats and so it would be easy. Do not take that away from her. She yeah. is an actual boat. <laughs> she floats, yeah. Yeah. Um, and one thing that we were actually talking about earlier in the car on our drive over here was, um, do you somehow block off the engine room so people so, can't access it? Yeah. Um, it's not right now, but I have. it's uh, a simple thing that I just came up with. The handle to the engine room is like an old ship style ceiling door <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh it just turns like a quarter turn to open it and so i just got a simple l bracket and i just put a padlock on it and so they can't move the door awesome. is there anything else like that in the boat that you got to kind of look yeah, out yeah eventually like yeah looking into that head that uh little cabinet in there is the back of the electrical panel and so that's a huge shock hazard for people and so we will we have that locked as well okay yeah gotcha. the front of the panel is unlocked just in the event that a breaker trips or something you know a guest could pretty easily figure out what breaker it was and flip it back but yeah we want to keep the technical stuff locked up yeah um how about the bit on the business side of things like mm -hmm. um you guys have this um, everything invested now it's all done you're already renting it out like pretty solid yeah um do you have like a return on investment like what that kind of looks like for the future yeah uh conservatively our payback period is going to hopefully be about eight months oh with nice. Airbnb. So good. yeah um, and that, what kind of uh occupancy is that based on that is based off of a uh, very conservative 50 percent occupancy wow right now i mean for the month of october Given it's a new listing, so it was probably at the top of Airbnb's list, but we're probably getting close to 85, 90%. For like a more out of season. Yeah. Month. And this is a shoulder season for us too. Our shoulder season being, you know, not the dead of winter, but not summer. Right. Um, but so you, yeah. like, uh, what would you expect in the dead of winter occupancy? Um, they, I mean, what we've learned is people book last minute for these boats. We're not really a destination like Hawaii or Florida or somewhere. Um, most of the time, it's just people doing small like staycations. They come down from Seattle or maybe up from Portland and 
they book last minute for the weekend. And so we, um, the boats stay fairly consistently rented. Um, the summer is obviously better than the winter, but um, we can usually expect to at least fill up our weekends for the winter. And then this summer close to 100%? Yeah, pretty close. I mean, these there's new people coming in every single day. Wow. Yeah. Good That's for you guys. Amazing, that is man. absolutely awesome. Um, yeah, so for people who aren't super familiar with it, a lot of our audience is on the East Coast, uh-huh. a lot in New York, a lot in Florida. Um, I think when they see our videos come out of like the San Juan Islands and stuff, it's really going to put it on the map for them because it wasn't on our radar at all but it's yeah. such a beautiful spot it, and it reminds of uh, us of new england but like kind of scaled up because of all the mountains and seals and like all we absolutely love it but you know ken's and i are actually getting ready to go over to new england next week so oh, really? yeah. um my grandpa's from dover new hampshire okay. so we are going to go over to dover we're going to do the cape and nice. um, just kind of all of new england up into maine and yeah, you're gonna love it. Yeah. yeah, it'll be. You'll see. It'll be similar, very similar, but no huge got, mountain. Yeah, around. you have bigger yeah. mountains. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so for people, for our audience, anyone who's listening, who are coming out this way, we're in Gig Harbor, like we said before, which is what an hour from Seattle, basically. It's about forty-five minutes without traffic. Yeah. And then what? Three hours from Portland. Two and a yeah. half. Yeah. Yeah, about three. Yeah. So pretty close to like every thing you would be in this area and then like what the olympics is yeah yeah, about two hours hours. Um, you got the mount rainier yep mount rainier is great um there's a lot of great hikes just off uh i-90 uh just right by snoqualmie pass there yeah right yeah Uh, yeah. um but yeah it's um it's you know not too long to get anywhere from here yeah um, did you have any last questions? or? Nope, that was it. We yeah. definitely need to um, tell everybody where they can find you. And before we do that, I just want to give you guys a lot of credit. Griffin and Kenzie, you guys are an amazing team to be able to do this together. Kenzie was obviously busy this whole time, but I have issues finding other women to talk to about boats and painting and sanding and all this stuff but she can't (laughs) hold her own and she is so educated and not only is she going to school in finance but she knows websites and she can paint and sand and look at this beautiful table we are sitting at that she like yeah. epoxied with all the old <laughs> charts and yeah uh, so right now plans. we're sitting at the main like salon table and it's it's the original boat charts that are on the table epoxied into the table which is pretty dang cool <laughs> so good on you guys and anybody listening please go follow them on instagram i'm hoping they're gonna get a website so you can check out all of their detailed stuff about how they did all this but griffin will you let them know what your instagram is and how else they can find you yeah you can find us at the dot boat project that's the period boat project on instagram and uh on airbnb if uh, at least right now, if you look up Gig Harbor, we should be uh, either the first or second listing. And they'll yeah. see uh, Lila. Yep, it'll be Lila in all capitals. And, um, you know, chances are if you see a boat in the harbor, it's one of ours so or one of the families. So. Okay, yeah. and I'm pretty sure in the description of this, at least on Anchor and I think on Apple, um, definitely on the YouTube version, we will put the link to their Airbnb site. 
and we highly, highly, highly recommend this area. It is absolutely gorgeous. It is a small little fishing town with super cool restaurants and beautiful views. And literally looking out the back door, there is a seal head popping up. With the oh, seals yeah, right, right there. there. And it is That's gorgeous. Awesome. And on top of that, this is a beautiful boat for you to come stay on and enjoy the location. So And if check you guys want out. to see a full tour of this boat, just head on to Tula Tech Talk on YouTube. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. Oh, thanks fun. for thanks chatting, for chatting. <laughs> man. This is so fun. Awesome. See you guys.